even as a follower of Jesus, you love the Lord, you're dedicated, stuff happens. Right. And so what we have to help people understand is, look, yes, the Bible is true. The evidence is clear. Yes, uh, Jesus is the Son of God who rose from the dead. Uh, but we're in a fallen world, and we're in a world of sin. Uh, and while, yes, our home is in heaven, the journey between now and then right. is going to have a few scratches and bruises sometimes, yeah. you know? Hey friends, you're listening to the Victor Marks Podcast with Victor Marks, founder of All Things Possible Ministries. Welcome to the show where we bring you real conversations facing life's hard truths, stories of redemption, and the latest from the front lines. Whether you're on the road, getting your day started, or finally settling in, we've got an exciting new episode planned for you. So let's dive into today's show. Join us today for an enlightening interview with author, speaker, and advocate for Christian apologetics, Alex McFarland. In this episode, Alex shares with us his journey through inviting people into the gospel, the basis of what apologetics is, and the scripture's call to defend the faith. He also addresses the most common types of questions young skeptics in today's culture are asking, and the church's role in housing a generation that may feel lost in their faith. There are so many valuable lessons from this conversation that you don't want to miss. So let's dive in with Victor Marks and Alex McFarland. Hey, hello everyone. I'm Victor Marks and I'm here in Nashville, Tennessee at the Proclaim 2018 NRB Conference. With me is a very special guest, Alex McFarland. And honestly, I'm the one that feels... uh, honored just to call you friend and have you here you know alex i've i've appreciated you from afar what you've accomplished and just your steadfastness to work in the realm of apologetics and be a voice for christianity and then know the culture especially with youth i just got tons of respect for you man well you're very kind listen i have respect for you Uh, i met you several years ago and Mm -hmm. we've done a little bit of radio and uh, Victor, I've uh, followed the way God is using you, and really the respect, the appreciation I have for you, both as a Christian and as an American, is just beyond words. And, uh, brother, I love you, and I appreciate, you, appreciate the chance to uh, enjoy this event together. Wonderful. A couple of things I want to talk to you about. I know most of your followers, you have that solid core of, you know, people, strong, intellect, serious, Bible folks, but help me understand some of the things like, like what is apologetics? Great question. Great question. Well, you know, it's funny. Um, Let me share a little bit about my testimony. I became a believer when I was 21 and I was in college and, um, you know, within a couple of days, I was on the campus of the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. And I had two other buddies that had become Christians, and we were trying to share the gospel. And I was, I was pretty shy, but um, two of my friends were pretty vocal. And we go to this place where everybody congregates. And, you know, college students, secular campus, everybody's sitting around drinking beer. And um, we're trying to share the gospel. Mm. So this one guy pipes up and he goes, hey, I'm a philosophy major and I don't even believe God exists. How am I supposed to have a relationship with God? There is no God. Well, things got really quiet. (laughs) And I stepped out and and I said, hey, listen, because I'm thinking somebody's got to say something. Right. And and I said, hey, listen, um, I became a Christian about two days ago. And I'm telling you, this is real. Something real happened to me. And I don't know, you're asking me about evolution, you're asking me about God. 
give me a minute. I'll get back to you. Now, Victor, this had to be the providence of God. I go back to my room. I'm thinking, we blew it, man. We totally, you're supposed to go evangelize, and we had nothing, we had no answer. I opened my Bible. I've been a Christian like 72 hours, literally. My Bible falls open. I don't know Old Testament, New Testament. I just have a Bible. And it jumps out at me. Set apart the Lord in your heart. Be ready always to give an answer to everyone who asks a reason for the hope that you have. And I look, it's 1 Peter 3.15. Kapow. Isn't that amazing? That is. Now, I had been a Boy Scout. The motto was be prepared. Right. So I read this verse over and over. It says, be ready always to give an answer. I was like, wow, that's kind of like... Uh, God is saying, be prepared to give an answer if anyone asks you the reason for the hope that you have. Now, I didn't know it, but in the original language, in the Greek, that's the word apologetic. If, hmm. if somebody says, hey, why do you believe what you believe? If somebody asks you, could I, could I really trust the Bible? That's apologetics because you're, you're saying God is real. Jesus rose from the dead. The Bible is trustworthy. So I go the next day, defining moment of my life. I go to a Christian bookstore. I've been a Christian three and a half days, and I buy, buy two books. One was called Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Josh McDowell. Josh McDowell. In wow. fact, you know what? Not bragging, but last night I was here at our conference, and my phone rang. It was Josh. No kidding. And um, we've done a lot of events together, but wow. I devoured more, right. more than a carpenter, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. And um, not only did I just become thoroughly... Um, immersed in the writings of Josh McDowell, but I read the, I'm a weird guy, I read the footnotes. Mm. And, and in the footnotes, I see names like Francis Schaeffer, C.S. Lewis, Chuck Colson, Norm Geisler. Um, you start going down the rabbit trail. Yeah, exactly. Now, what's exciting is in the last few years in our lifetime, God has raised up some amazing defenders of the faith. Uh, names like Lee Strobel, yeah. Ravi Zacharias, mm-hmm. William Lane Craig, a, a guy, he's just one of the greatest guys in the world, Jay Warner Wallace, Frank Turek, you might have heard of. Mm-hmm. Down in Houston Baptist, Mary Jo Sharp, who's mm. just super smart. And what what's really cool, apologetics is not apologizing. Okay. But it's not saying I'm sorry, but it, it really means use of evidence and logic and reasoning to persuade people to Christ. And, and the Word of God in about half a dozen places of the New Testament says... You know, defend the faith. Stand up for what you believe. Jude verse 3 says that we are to earnestly contend for the faith. Now, do you think, being an apologetist, do you, do you think there's two groups of people, some that really need to have questions answered for their mind, and then others, they can just be moved emotionally uh, to come into a relationship with Christ? Good question. Like thinkers and feelers? Yeah, there are thinkers and feelers. Um, There's the cognitive and the emotive. You know, we think and we feel. And at different points of our life, they overlap. Um, A lot of young people that that we are working with, and I give God the glory, I mean, we easily speak to thirty to 70,000 teens a year. It's amazing. Kids will um, come to Christ, and they'll be, oh, yeah, you know, Jesus is you know, my, my homeboy, but then something bad will happen. Um, and they're like, well, God, there is no God, you know, X happened. And I tell kids, I'm like, look, um, Christianity is not the subtraction of all your problems. Mm. Christians still get cancer. A, A follower of Jesus can still lose their job. 
Christian families have stuff, mm-hmm. you know. But what Christianity is, is the addition of God's presence and his provision through all of life's problems. So the emotional faith, if that's all you've got, it's like water on a hot day. It's going to evaporate. Because even as a follower of Jesus, you love the Lord, you're dedicated, stuff happens. Right. And so what we have to help people understand is, look, yes, the Bible is true. The evidence is clear. Yes, uh, Jesus is the Son of God who rose from the dead. Uh, but we're in a fallen world, and we're in a world of sin. Uh, and while, yes, our home is in heaven, the journey between now and then right. is going to have a few scratches and bruises oh, sometimes, yeah. you know? And, and you know that. I want to say this. I, I so admire you because you're a guy that you go into the line of fire— And for the sake of Jesus, you Mm. go to places most people would be terrified to go. And I just, you're a guy that um, you've you've laid down your life for the gospel, and I admire that, brother. I really do. Thank you. I, you know, it's it's a privilege, and although sometimes that is actually easier for me to go in hostile environments, I don't know why. Uh, Maybe my background is marine, but but I'm constantly trying to work on learning about my faith better and you know social media you know we're we have a couple hundred thousand people just on facebook and cool. and, I, and i get man i get people asking me questions and whatnot uh which gives me time to kind of research it go to your website look up your stuff pick up one of your books but do you think in where we are in our culture young people or 30 and under what are the most common types of questions they're asking, you know? Great question. L- let me tell you something really good on the apologetics front. All right, th- there is something that atheists have used for a long time called the copycat theory. And the copycat theory basically says that Christianity is not unique. See, the disciples, if, if Jesus even did exist, they'll right. say, the disciples borrowed from ancient mythology. See, their hero was was dead, and they were bummed out, so they they took ancient Egyptian mythology, and they crafted this new thing. And all of that traces its lineage to the 19th century. There was a book published. I'm not even going to give the name, but there was a book published. No publisher would would do it. There's zero footnotes. So this this guy in the 19th century self-published a book that basically says Christianity was based on ancient mythology. Completely false. In America, the book died. It, it got a foothold in Europe. And by the 80s, 70s and 80s, American universities were saying Jesus was based on ancient mythology. I was even in a debate with a major, major atheist who's got a Ph.D. from Claremont. Mm. And he should have known better. And he cited this book. Now, hang with me. <laughs> even infidels.org, which is an atheist web ring, says don't trust anything in this book because it's a crock. (laughs) And then Richard Carrier at Columbia, who's an atheist, says this book is is not true. So here's all the point. I've had literally hundreds of kids over the last 10 years. They'll say, oh, my gosh, uh, I was a Christian, but I read on a blog site that Christianity is based on mythology. And um, Bill Maher of Politically Incorrect said it. And then there's a movie called Religulous and then a movie called Zeitgeist, and they trash Christianity. Listen to this, folks. Huge. For years, we've been exposing the copycat theory. Skeptic Magazine 
which is an atheist magazine, recently ran an article, and they said, hey, atheists, we got to quit saying the copycat theory because it's been thoroughly discredited. Even Because, like, Zeus, Horus, Demeter, Osiris, um, one of the things, there's, there's a God, and, and I know some of the people listening probably know exactly what I'm talking about. They'll say, well, you know, Christianity was uh, a ripoff of Horus. Mm. All right, let's look at the similarities. Horus. Uh, Who the heck was Horus? He was this Egyptian god that um, is mentioned in the Egyptian Book of the Dead. Okay. And the story of Horus is this. He spends eternity walking the earth trying to avenge his father's killer. Mm. Uh, yeah, that sounds similar to Christianity. Mm-hmm. Not. <laughs> you know. Anyway, even Skeptic Magazine said, hey, folks, quit using the copycat theory. It's vacuous. So that's some good news that apologetics works. That is. And the research is there. But let me tell you another issue in the minds of a lot of young people is a false view of God that whatever happens in this world, God willed it. Mm-hmm. All right, this, the shooting in Florida two weeks ago. I'm doing a Q&A. College student says to me, well, well why are we praying for this? Because God, God wanted that to happen. God willed it. Now, I'm being a little philosophical here, but there's a view of God called voluntarism. And the God of Islam is a voluntaristic God. Whatever happens must be right because God willed it. So that's not Christianity. Christianity says that we have a free will. And the Bible says God does not tempt anybody to sin. The Holy Spirit of God will offer the right way, but God will not overrule your free will. I mean, if you're a sinner bent on sinning, and so I said, well, look, that shooting in Florida, God allowed it. It was permitted, but God didn't cause it. Huge point. Yeah, And, and I said... I know this is complicated, but you have to understand, God did not make robots. God is not the cosmic puppet master. We have a free will. Um, The Holy Spirit beckons and calls us to do right. But if we are listening to Satan and the flesh rather than the Spirit, if you are bent on sinning, you can sin. You know, and on that point, Alex, when I share my story... There's always a point where I just say, and there's a huge shift in people's minds and hearts when I say there's a difference between God causing and allowing. Exactly. And you can literally see people, like the light bulb going on, they're going, oh, my gosh, because so much of the time they believe the lie that God caused this to happen or that injustice. Or, you know, we'll have people on social media who are listening to this right now. They'll say, you know, I I can't believe in a God that would allow the atrocities to happen. And I, I simply say, well, I think you're blaming the wrong person. Right on. You know, there's people yeah. that are making these choices, and there's an enemy of our soul. Satan. Yeah. God, he he redeems this evil stuff, uh, yeah. which is always, I mean, shocking to me. So this generation, what, what's one more other pretty consistent thing that say and challenge you with you know when you when you hear them well i would say a key to understanding millennials and younger uh, that are you know 30-ish and younger and there's plurals that were born since 2011 they've never known an america that wasn't pluralistic and generation z 
I don't mean to generalize because I know there are exceptions, but in, in a general sense, a lot of this generation has never lived under the same roof with mom and dad. And it's in the family that we, you know, I've often said the family is like a gospel tract because in the, in the home we learn about trust and accountability and unconditional love and grace and responsibility. All right. Now, when you've got 22% of millennials and younger that claim to be atheists, and that's true, almost one out of five, I mean, think about one out of five, of the millennials and younger claim to be atheist or agnostic. Well, that's staggering. I would submit that a huge um, cause of that is the breakdown of the family. I agree. Yeah. Now, here's the difference. Victor, you and me, we grew up in an era, we thought about right versus wrong, right. true versus false, right. guilt versus innocence. Young people don't think that way. They think of shame versus honor. Now, let me explain. People always ask me, they're like, I don't understand it. My youth group, they made a profession of faith. I've got all these kids, and they're Christians. Premarital sex is not wrong. Abortion is not wrong. Homosexuality is not wrong. What's the deal? And I said, here's the deal. Even Josh McDowell would say this. 30 years ago, it was, give me evidence for the empty tomb. Kids aren't asking for that now. They're asking, um, is there acceptance, significant security? If I come to Jesus... Who's going to be my tribe? Mm. Who's going to have me? Now, when I became a Christian and my buddies at college made fun of me because I didn't drink anymore, right? I didn't care because I had a family structure that had my back. When you've got a generation that they don't have the emotional support from family, they don't have anywhere to fall back on when their tribe abandons them. See, if you come out big for Jesus, your, your tribe, your hood, your, your group of friends, they might abandon you. Well, you're lost and alone. So we in the church, we have got to be the tribe for an orphaned generation. Well, that's good. Do, do you see what I'm saying? I, I really do. Because, see, I can go to a university and debate. I can prove the Bible, the manuscripts, the history, the archaeology. I can prove it ten ways to Sunday. And I'll ask kids, now will you become a Christian? No. Why? Well, I'm afraid. Um if if I come out for Jesus, my friends are going to diss me. How can I trust God even because my life has been such a train wreck? And so this is a generation, human nature hasn't changed, but it's a generation that is lo- profoundly lonely. Okay. It's a generation that has trust issues, and I understand that. Right. Hey, how can I trust my Heavenly Father? I've never known a, a father figure that was there for me. It's a generation that really doesn't have a lot of hope. And we come along, and you and I know that um, God does all things well. We know that he will never leave or forsake us. We know that we can cast all our cares on him, for he careth for you. But this is a generation that the world for them has been a tough gig, and it's hard for them to trust that there is something better, and there's a God that will never leave or forsake you. So how do we, I mean, how do we cross that gulf? And also, I would add, do you think the shame of the sexual promiscuity, you know, it's with the onset of porn and websites. It, I mean, I remember when junior hires were, remember, friends with benefits, and you oh, yeah. you sit there and go. So there, there's no, remember, you talk about the oxytocin, um, and, and then oh, yeah, yeah. The, uh, sure. the, the stick is no longer there, yeah. and, and uh, it's... I feel like that they deal with shame at a whole different level yeah. than 
we did or people before us because, man, we wasn't putting our stuff on the Internet. It didn't exist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I know this might sound a bit simplistic. We really need to pray for the Holy Spirit of God to fall on this nation. Okay. And it's the Spirit of God. Jesus said in John 15 and 16, the Spirit will guide you into all truth. The Spirit will come alongside. I, I think it's the job of every Christian, uh, number one, to understand that life is a precious gift and it's a stewardship. And the number one thing on our job description is to live our lives full out for Jesus. Mm. Uh, we need to pray for revival. We need to be equipped. And Now, when you say revival, because yeah. there are people listening right now that go, you know, is that like in a tent? Uh, uh, great question. Is, is that, does revival include non-believers, or are we just reviving believers who are apathetic? You know, it's a great question, Victor, because so many of the people nowadays have never really seen a great move of God. Mm. And if you've ever been in a place where the Spirit of God really majorly showed up, you know what I'm talking about, and you're never going to be satisfied till you experience right. that presence of God again. Now, um, you mentioned a tent. You know, there are revival meetings, and maybe that might be in a tent, but uh, revival is a word, it literally means a return to the things that bring life. And I don't think there's going to be a lot of church growth till there's more church health. And so um, non-Christians can be touched by a revival. But, I mean, we need the church. to. And I love the church. I've pastored two churches. Mm. Spoken in 2000, literally. Wow. No kidding. But we need the church, at least in America, to get on our face before God, thank God for his abundant blessings to us, repent of sin, and repent of our lack of initiative for unsaved people. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can check out more of the work we're doing around the world at victormarks.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all linked in the show notes. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. We're always encouraged to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time.